Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Chander LaFave Boten, Christine Wong, Christopher I. Phil, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K. Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John Dulong, John Griswold, Leanne S., Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Riley Stevens, Ross Ward, Sam Solero, Stella, and Teresa. Thank you, everybody, for your donation. And if you'd like your name at the beginning of an Elwood City Limits episode, plus access to exclusive commentaries, podcasts, and more, become a patron today at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Spring has sprung finally i've been waiting for so long i let me tell you something i thought that um i had not foreseen a future where it was ever going to be nice outside ever again and last week i don't know if it came through on the filibuster um i haven't listened back to it but i suppose i sound (laughs) crazy because i was so tired and exhausted from putting in nine hour days at school and I would show up and it would be cloudy and I'd be in school and then I'd leave school and it was dark. And I'm not saying I have seasonal depression, but let me tell you something. Being in school today and it was just sunny and the weather's nice, I feel so much better. <laughs> and partly it's because I'm not putting in nine hour days anymore. And then partly it's because it's, it's nice again. There's something to be said about when you get into those jags of like either work or school or something that commands your attention for like days at a time and it's just like it just it feels cloudy and then if the weather's there to, there to match your mood then it just feels even worse. I know what you, I know what you mean. But, but hey, I'm gl- we're, we're we're through it now. We are and I'm glad that you're here uh and uh, certainly we're both very busy around this this time of year. If you listen to the to the to the filibuster, I myself also got a little, uh, just a little bit unhinged because I was trying to figure out exactly uh, our schedule. Because Lucas, you, you're going to be wrapping up with school sooner rather than later, and I'm getting married in two weeks. For goodness sakes! Oh my goodness gracious! It's crazy. <sighs> and WrestleMania is next week, so that's oh gee, wait, is it on is it on Sunday? Is it this Sunday? No. No, it's next, next Sunday. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Okay. 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 So there's a bit. Of, there's a bit of time, but like we're getting <laughs> down into the the single digits for like the WrestleManias. X days away. Was there a uh, um, a point where you were like, okay, we could have the wedding this weekend, and then you realized that that was WrestleMania weekend, and you were like, okay, let's push it push it back a week. Well, we were immediately like, that's a little too early in the month for us, and then also WrestleMania, and then it was it was all a matter. Of either of both avoiding uh, 420 and uh, May the 5th. Those were the two dates we didn't want just because of the associations with them. Because you don't want it, because you, I mean, if, unless you're theming your wedding around it, you don't necessarily want to say that you got married on 420 or out, like for the rest of your life. And we also didn't want the implication that, like, oh, you got married on May the 5th because you love Star Wars. I'm like, no, no. So is it? Isn't it May fourth, the Star Wars Day? May the fourth. Or yeah. And sorry, I kept saying fifth. May the fifth. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what happened on May the fifth? <laughs> I like, I, there's some day that I'm not aware of. Ex- uh, excuse me. It was May the fourth. It's just. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, I think we're. I think we're both 
not at the end of our ropes, but we're uh, we're uh, we're running we're running <laughs> we're running out of uh, slack here. Oh yeah. But that's okay. It's I'm um, I'm actually I'm actually jazzed to be talking about Arthur. We're we're close to finishing this season up, eh? Season six. Yeah, and like these two episodes we're about to talk about today. Um, I feel like I say this every once in a while, but I think we're getting close to where I like. I think we're getting close to the episodes where neither you or I have seen. Like I have zero recollection of these two episodes, and I wonder if that's going to start happening a lot more often. Now we're getting closer to the modern era. We're starting to run out of road. You're right. Um, I did an interview recently with a friend of the show, DJ Bob. And uh, I think it's in a couple of seasons. I think it may, might be like eight, where we get into the episodes that I've genuinely never seen before. So my when, when does the uh, when does the Flash animation start? Oh, um, because I don't think I've seen a single full episode of when the show switches over to Flash animation. I want to say not for a while. Like we're probably going to be into the double digits at that point. So mm. we've got a ways to we've got a ways to go yet, and hopefully we get a little bit of a. Like, I'll be able to kind of <laughs> ready us before we get into that, because that's going to be a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. So before we get into this episode, I mean, first of all, <laughs> welcome to Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. We're going through every Arthur episode, one season at a time. My name is Will Young. I'm one of your hosts, and my other co- my co-host is Lucas Mancini. Hello. So we are uh, before we get into that episode, we are going to head on over to our mailbag, which is where... Listeners like you like to send us uh, messages. That is elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Our first email today comes in from Hernan Morales. Hi, Will and Lucas. Well, after about a month, I'm finally caught up on the backlog. Hey, thumbs up. Can't wait to hear your episode on Rhyme for Your Life, and hopefully you got all the famous poetry references. Extra points if y'all did the whole internet a favor and managed to track down J.E. and C.B. Those are the rapping kids from that... uh, from that like emergency award oh, from us kids that we did last season, I forgot about that. That was oh, that was amazing. Uh, yeah. Those are yeah. Where are their where's their guest spot in this episode? We talk about you know um, Poe and and Sylvia Plath getting name dropped. Mm. Uh, where's where's J? What was it? J B and C E. J E and C B. J E and C B. True uh, wordsmiths of our generation. Run the Jewels Jr. over here. Hernan continues, I recently listened to your episode with DJ Bob, followed by his interview with Michael Yarmish. Yes, we uh, had DJ Bob on the show here. We did the Arthur Christmas album, and uh, DJ Bob also did a great interview with the original voice of Arthur, Michael Yarmish. Check it out on the DJ Bob show. I had seen multiple mentions of Arthur voice recording having finished last year, and it's shocking to hear it specifically from Yarmish. I hope they do the series justice. I also can't wait for your review of Arthur's really rockin' music mix, especially for your take on the full version of the season six credits music. I can't decide if it's a sleeper hit on the Eurobeats chart or gasp bad. Um, hard to say. I'm from what I've heard of it. I kind of like it. It's a little bit different. Oh, uh, I I love it. I think it rules. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm recently. I think there's like a Eurobeat. I think people are changing their tune on Eurobeat lately. Uh, I, it was a laughing stock for pretty much all of the aughts. And um, recently, <clears throat> I saw this like this. A friend of the show. Alex Moore has always hmm. been a, a staunch Eurobeat defender. Um, and recently they shared a uh, a noisy, like Vice's music blog documentary. Yeah, on, on about, 
Eiffel 65. Yeah, Eiffel 60, Eiffel, Eiffel, whatever, however you pronounce it, 65, and their creation of their seminal hit, Blue. Um, and and I, I can say firsthand, uh, Moore's uh, love of Eurobeat is not ironic in the slightest. So, um, yeah, I think Eurobeat's coming back in a big way. I think people are learning to appreciate it for what it is, which is very fun. And I think that uh, the season six end theme is a prime example of what is possible with Eurobeat. We will be having that uh, episode of uh, featuring Arthur's really rockin' music mix with a special guest, no doubt. Where that's going to be happening probably around the same time as season seven. Couple specialty episodes coming up next season. Uh, also, I recently discovered on YouTube Arthur episodes in Spanish. I'm wondering if any of the French Canadian voice actors dubbed for French. Now that I don't know, but I do remember. Um, since we're in Canada, there is a dedicated channel for just French programming, and I do remember catching episodes of Arthur on there and laughing because the uh, the voices sounded different. Uh, was that I find with like French dubs specifically, like everybody just sounds like adults. Like, was Arthur just like a deep voiced like like did he did it sound like children doing French voices or or, or I guess you don't recall. I mean, I mean, sort of. I I don't remember okay. it sounding out out of like character or anything like that i mean mm-hmm. i'm pretty pretty sure anyway thank you hernan uh for that email we go now to pretty cool stairs whose uh, name finally came to light for us uh with some season six thoughts first a general question any plans for spring break nothing out of the ordinary for myself except maybe some spring cleaning well we already had spring break i worked a bunch and uh <laughs> my, my no fun spring- my spring break was more stressful than if I had gone to school. It was literally yeah. like, like my uh, the extent of my th- spring break was uh, St. Patrick's Day, which I did. I did uh, uh, partake in the in the the degeneracy or whatever uh, that Sunday. But pretty much from Monday on, it was like all out working and schoolwork uh, until I got back on Monday. I was like, oh. Thank gosh that break was over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I kind of had that going on too. A few comments about your recent season six shows. So on your episode about the secret life of dogs and babies, you were wondering about the general perception of such dog and baby episodes. I believe at the time it was a relative success. I remember during the summer of 2002, PBS had promos on TV telling kids to vote online for their favorite Arthur episode. My brother what? and I, my brother and I were both Arthur fans. We really wanted to vote, but didn't have internet at our house. So we had to use our uncle's computer to cast our votes. My brother voted for the contest while I picked the secret life of dogs and babies. Both solid choices looking back now. The top three shows were aired in a mini marathon called the PBS Kids Vote-A-Rama. It was a pretty cool TV special because they produced some short segments with Buster and he interviewed Aaron Carter about singing the theme song to the new PBS Kids show, Liberty's Kids. Oh, oh wow. man, that this came, is cool for multiple reasons. That that came rushing back to me. I forgot all about Liberty's kids. No, Liberty's as a Canadian. Uh, uh, besides Hamilton, the play Hamilton, literally the <laughs> only reason I know about American history is from like habitually watching Liberty's kids as a kid. Because um, it was another one of those shows we've talked about this before, but I've always appreciated cartoons where uh, they're they're serialized, they're not episodic, or or the other way around. I always get those two things confused. But the one that it continues. Uh, where the last episode left off, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that's why I got so into anime as a kid, because anime was like that, but regular Western cartoons usually weren't. They were usually like show of the week storyline. But Liberty's Kids, 
is based on history. So instead of being like show of the week, it was like, and then, you know, Thomas Jefferson did this. So I actually was a pretty big fan of Liberty's Kids and did not know that it was Aaron Carter who uh, sang the theme song. That's really crazy. Not only did he beat Shaq, but he uh, (laughs) sang the theme to Liberty's Kids. I remember that too. He does like the, he does like the rap interlude, like the, like there's a hip hop interlude to that. You know, I'll take my heart into battle. Give that freedom bell a rattle. Uh, Aaron Carter played here. Uh, he did like, like recently. Yeah, like recently. Um, I wonder if if like is the Liberty's kids because Aaron Carter can't have that many songs. Like he's got How I Beat Shaq. Uh, what is the song about the party at his house called? It's like Aaron's house, Aaron's party. Uh, it's Aaron. it's it's Aaron's party. Come get it. Aaron's party. Come get it. Uh, uh, his cover of Candy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like eventually, like he must bust out the Liberty's Kids theme. I bet it probably <laughs> doesn't go over that well here in in Halifax, Nova Scotia. That's for but, his bo- uh, that's for his Boston show. But oh yeah, I bet that kills in like <laughs> in like Philadelphia. People gonna, get lit. I'm gonna have to see if I can track down this Liberty's Kids Arthur crossover. That was such a blast from the past. Um, so we continue on here. The top episode pick ended up being the Secret Life episode. So evidently, kids did like the overall concept when it first came out. I get the feeling this changed for a lot of fans later on. I still like some of the new Dog and Baby episodes, but usually they're hit or miss. Regardless, I think the Season 6 episode was very well executed and no doubt marked a big shift in the nature of Arthur as a series, moving more toward abstract or weird stories. I'm glad that we got a little bit of that context. I thought I was the only one freaking out about the word piston. When I was growing up, the word piss was off limits. So hearing piston on a kid's show really made me uncomfortable when my parents were in the room. You know what? It's you know what? Until Lucas and Moore ruined me, I uh, I didn't think much of it. But now I can't not think about it. Also, we had a terrific. Um, oh my gosh! Oh, I don't have my I don't have my phone on me right now. But on our Instagram. Uh, I believe we are at ECL Podcast on Instagram or Elwood City Limits, something like that. We had, oh, it was it the Arthur Reed feed? Uh, apologies, I can't remember exactly who it was on Instagram, but by the they way, did. By the way, it is it is at Elwood City Limits. Thank you. Um, we put up a we put up a story like a week ago, but it's from I want to say it's the Arthur Reed feed. Apologies if I got that wrong. They did do the Mister Crosswire jumping on the van to Gucci Gang. Yes, they did that mashup. That was amazing. It was very sick. Uh, I liked your assessment of Arthur and Los Vecinos. Well, also thanks to Susan Velasquez for her thoughts on that as well. It's always been one of my favorites of the season, and you're right that it's an episode that it could be deemed a must-watch for the series. It's also the episode my online username comes from. My brother and I would laugh so much at that awkward moment between uh, Arthur and Alberto as they were on the stairs. I probably shouldn't be laughing because I probably would have said something just as dumb in that situation. In your last episode, believe it or not, I actually did recognize Lucas's impression of Bernie Sanders. Well done, Lucas. That's probably one of my worst impressions, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't think it was all that bad. I I just realized I don't really know what Bernie Sanders sounds like. I had to look it up later, and I was like, okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> so th- thank you very much for those thoughts. Pretty cool stares. We have one last one here uh, from Ike. Hey, guys. I've always wanted to start a podcast or do YouTube, so I was wondering what microphones you guys use. Uh, your guys' audio is always on point. Thank you. Also, what software do you use to store and edit the audio? Thanks, and can't wait to hear what you think of Rhyme for Your Life. Lucas, what type of microphone do you usually use? Uh, I use a uh, the regular Blue Snowball uh, Yeti microphone. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fairly inexpensive. Uh, we do the podcast so often. I should probably invest in the the much nicer black one that's like seventy nine bucks or whatever. But this was like sixty dollars, and it's like a USB microphone. Uh, and then I record with Audacity, and then I save that MP three. Uh, or actually, it might be a WAV file. I don't remember. But then I email it to you, and I assume you drop it. In, do you edit it in Audacity or Adobe Audition? Audacity. Uh, Adobe okay. Audition is is terrific, but it's incredibly expensive. It's prohibitively expensive if you don't like work with music or audio editing for a living. So yeah, well, uh, they I, changed it now so you could get the subscription. And as a student, it's like twenty bucks a month, which is still really expensive. But um, it's better than like paying the eight hundred upfront or whatever. You get the whole. That's like how Adobe's like switched their thing to now. It's like the Creative Cloud, or it's like twenty bucks a month. Then so if you're, um, I have to know all this right now because I'm using uh, Adobe InDesign in my new um, uh, program that I'm in. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like you get the entire Adobe Creative Cloud for like twenty bucks a month. And like, so if you use multiple things, it's kind of worth it. Uh, and it's certainly less expensive than $800. But uh, Audacity, what we for our purposes, Audacity can basically do everything we need to do, and it's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Audacity is is a, is a slow and finicky program, but it does the job decently, and it is free. So you you honestly can't go wrong there. I use, also, I believe this is also a Blue, Met, Blue Yeti microphone. It is a Yeti microphone um for a while back i i actually only started using the yeti regularly i kind of bought it as a secondary microphone and started using it on like our patreon audio and stuff like that just to kind of keep it in use i actually use it more than my professional microphone now because those cables um are starting to pick up interference so i like need to reinvest in either a new microphone or new cables and i'm not at the position to do that right now um so yeah, pretty much what's happening here is, you know, we're both on very similar microphones. We record it locally. So right now I'm recording myself talking in Audacity. Lucas sends me him, his, and then I combine them uh, in another Audacity file. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people out there who are a lot more technically minded than me who will who will tut-tut anybody who uses the Blue Yeti because it's you know, quote unquote, it's consumer grade. It's not professional audio. But really, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, <laughs> it it almost I'd say it almost doesn't matter what type of microphone that you use. I would recommend like uh, the, not uh, as long as it's not like a rock band bike. Well, can. see, th- that's why I say almost is because <laughs> these days, if you want to make a podcast, you can literally use anything. However, not everything sounds good. A rock band microphone doesn't sound good. A cheap uh, headset microphone that you get from the dollar store doesn't sound good and is not fun to listen to. At least for me, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a quality snob for audio, so uh, I like to try and put out a product that sounds good. And the Yeti does the job, and that's why I had a professional microphone that I used for several years. Uh, but that's a huge investment. Like a Yeti or a Snowball microphone uh, is a really good place to start. They're fairly inexpensive, and especially if you're just looking to get your feet out from under you, uh, or excuse me, if you're looking to start in YouTube or recording audio, like I'd say give those give those a try and don't worry about it being you know not top of the line or something like that. It's you know podcasts shouldn't there shouldn't be like a financial wall to starting it but there is also like you 
put in, you get out what you put into it. So, you know, I've spent the money and thank you for the compliment. Elwood City Limits, thankfully, has usually sounded pretty good. Um, and that's kind of where a little bit of money gets you. One, so, uh, one, uh, yeah. one of my favorite podcasts right now, and I think I've talked about this on the show, uh, but one of my favorite podcasts is, is Blink 155, another Canadian podcast with a, a similarly esoteric and niche subject matter where they they review, uh, every, um, every, uh, Blink 182 song, one song at a time. Yeah. Um, and they have an extremely similar recording setup to us to the point where like, I really should get a pop screen. I don't have a pop screen on my microphone and it comes through on the recording. Um, but similarly, one of the co-hosts uh, from Blink-155, uh, it's become like sort of a meme on their Twitter where it's like, I'm not getting a pop screen. I don't care how much you guys ask for it. Now I'm just not getting one out of spite. Uh, me, it's not out of spite. It's out of, uh, well, uh, just... I guess forgetfulness, maybe laziness is the right word. But uh, uh, so if if it's good enough for them, I think it's good enough for us here with our our, our, our podcast. Yeah, and you know what? I should probably invest in that myself as well. So Ike, I'd I'd say those are those are my that's my advice for starting out. Um, also, try and pick something that you're passionate about. You don't have to be like super knowledgeable about it, but something that you're passionate about, you want to talk about, and that you think you can provide an original twist on. And whatever that is, I wish you the best of luck. And uh, send us a link if you ever uh, if you ever get your podcast up and running. Love to hear it. And if you want any more um, help or anything like that. Just let, just let us know. That's our email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody, for sending in your correspondence. So let's get to this one. It seems that this episode is actually pretty anticipated from some of our listeners. Rhyme for your life. Well, I mean, it makes it, like, just given the title of the episode, um, ever, I think our listeners know how much of a kick I get out of it uh, when, um, you know, the Arthur characters be spitting. <laughs> uh, and, and this, this episode is just nonstop flows, nonstop bars. Um, it's like that, that when, when Black Thought went on, um, uh, Hot 97 or whatever, uh, and, and just like spit for like a half hour, uh, that this is the Arthur equivalent of that. If you're, if you're a fan of, um, hip hop, hip hop, you know, that the rhythm, the rhyme, uh, this is the episode for you. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you think it would like? Uh, do you feel like maybe all we need is a lo-fi beat to put over the entire episode? Oh my goodness, just... I I wonder how well that would work specifically for the um the parts where Biggie's in like the rhyming world. Uh, that's actually pretty funny. I think it, I think a talented editor could really put together uh, a, a pretty good uh, eleven minutes. Uh, from all the rhyming parts here, which there are many because we we start off here. Arthur and Buster are at a local fair and they're getting ready to see uh, Mr. Ratburn put on a play, which is the collected works of Edgar Allan Poe. Excuse me. He's putting on a puppet show. And man, I, like th- this episode is not bad by any means, but I'm a bit upset we don't get to see this. I the the props like we only get to see a few seconds of his setup, but it's like um uh, the the level of detail uh, in this tiny miniatures it's almost like the thi- the the house from Hereditary or like uh, the fake New York from like Syndicate New York like the amount of detail and craft that Mister Rapper is putting into this puppet shows it's kind of depressing that he's a teacher and that he just can't do this full time because uh, my goodness Rapper needs a Patreon for his puppet shows 
or um, like yeah, a, or like it, or like a Kofi or something. <laughs> exactly. Buy him a Kofi. Uh, so yeah, he's a lot of Poe references here to the Raven, the the Telltale Heart, the Pit and the Pendulum. Uh, some good stuff here. Some very good visually. Like he's got a hand puppet for the Raven. It's it looks like it's gonna be a real cool show. Uh, but Arthur uh, almost goes in, but then is stopped by Binky, who is uh, looks like he's playing mage in Dark Souls. Uh, he's got the robe and he's got the staff, and he's speaking in rhyme. In fact, he seems that he can't stop speaking in rhyme, and he's going to tell Arthur his tale. This is how I figured out that the segments of Arthur are 11 minutes, as uh, Binky says. All will be clear to he who sits. So I feel like the writers of this show quickly realized their hubris when they came up with the conceit that this was going to be the rhyming episode. Because, um, boy, howdy, some of these rhymes are are slant rhymes that even Eminem would uh, give the stink eye. Like, there is some, some butchering of an enunciation and, and the English language here in order to serve the purpose of uh, everything rhyming. Um, like, if, for example... The way that you keep saying minutes yeah. in order to to fix the rhyme. I mean, I'm not hating. Like, it, it's really hard to make a whole 11 minutes where you rhyme the whole time. I just think it's very, very funny. Yeah, Binky's looking at Arthur like he like he's his Gwen Stacy to Spider Man. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's some bad. There's some bad. I like, I like that song, but there's some bad ones in there. Uh, yeah, so this it, this does actually turn out to be a Binky episode, Kalu Kalei, and uh, the entire conceit is that it's coming up on, now, is it Mother's Day or is it his mother's birthday? Oh, I did not write that down. Um, I think it's his mother's birthday, it must be, because like Arthur's not doing anything for Mother's Day. It doesn't seem like anybody else is. That's true. So it's his mother's birthday, and Binky's originally going to buy some chocolates, but he's uh, underfunded, so uh, he only. Well, has... oh, okay. So let's let's get into this. So Binky like orders an obscene amount of chocolates. He's like eight of those, six of those, five of those. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what was the last time you've been in a Lint or a Laura Secord store, or for at perhaps the Newfoundland Chocolate Company. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the amount of stuff that Binky asks for, thirty-two fifty is a steal. Yeah, those like are an, no, those those are '90s prices, my dude. Or yeah, that's like a hundred and twenty dollars worth of chocolate biggie orders, <laughs> and he gets it all for thirty two fifty. Um, also, uh, Binky ordering chocolates reminds me of people at the dispensary when they're like, "Bong bong, can I get uh two of those, three of these? You know, give me give me uh, <laughs> yo, give me give me two of the MK Ultra. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, make sure I get uh three of uh, the lemon haze. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, that's what Binky ordering chocolate reminded me of. Um, but unfortunately he realizes he can't afford the chocolate. So he's going to get a card instead. Um, and he kind of passes up this sick. You make me smile when I feel crummy. I'm so glad that you're my mummy. Um, I was in an urban outfitters recently. Uh, and that's pretty much the quality of like, thank you card that they are. They're, they're selling in like the, uh, the goods section of the urban outfitters yeah that's like but i think i'm i I know i'm glad binky has good taste like that's along the lines of you're appealing let's never split or you i choo choo choose you like he wants it to be a bit more heartfelt this card (laughs) and he actually uh he actually gets the idea uh from muffy that maybe he should uh make his own card because muffy's getting a card for her limousine driver bailey for his birthday 
And they have I wonder. Spread- what, I wonder what star sign um, Bailey and Biggie's mom are. Uh, do we know the air date of this episode? Let's Good see. Do, 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 do. You keep you you keep running down. I got. I have. Sure, to, sure. We have to figure this out. Well, you this and you and the astro, you and the astrological signs. It's beginning to be a real thing. It's it it truly is becoming uh, a horrible problem. Uh, just, but, but I, listen, I will not rest until this is answered. So, so, so basically Binky has a very poetic soul, but he's not confident in his abilities to write a poem. So he tries to pay Fern in basically a pickle and like half a sandwich to, for, to get her to write a card. But Fern says, no, you've got to do it yourself. It's got to come from, from your heart. And she gives, she gives him a, uh, a book on poetry that he can read and get ideas from, but nothing's really coming. Uh, the book called poetry from a to Z and nothing really ends up help ends up helping. So he's, uh, we get a scene here where Binky's like reading the book on the couch and, uh, he just kind of gives up. I oh. think they might be Scorpios. November. Yeah. No. I'm going to pretend I know what that means. 12. Yeah, Scorpion. Defined by an outward shyness and an inner determination, will work tirelessly to achieve goals. I want to know more about her limo driver, Bailey. What a complex figure. I do think Bailey becomes a character like later on in the series. So we will we will be seeing more of him at some point. Um, so yeah, Binky's on the couch and eventually he just kind of gives up. He's watching Frankenstein on TV and his mom comes in and <laughs> like covers him up in a blanket as he's kind of like nodding off. And there's a great, there's a great moment, uh, where Binky just yawns and he's like, uh, I'm a terrible son. <laughs> that was such a good line. Um, I also thought it was interesting. This episode is so, um, when Binky's talking to Fern and offering her the pickle, uh, it got me thinking about how, um, National Poetry Day was like last week. Oh, was it really? Yeah, we're off by a week with this episode. We missed a trick. Uh, We also we also see like Binky is is trying out some poetry, but it's not going very well. Like the the first he gets is Mother Dear, I love you so. If I bend my head, I can smell my toe. Uh, And now we get into the real meat of this episode. Binky falls asleep, and he he winds up in what is it? Is it? Uh, was it Rhymeland? No, it's not Rhymeland. Oh, uh, it's, it's like it's Rhymeville. Versburg. Versburg. That's that sounds more right. Verseville. Versburg. Um, the opening scene of this is almost identical to the start of Django Unchained, with like the carriage <laughs> and like pulling up on Binky. I didn't. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen Django. I didn't think about that. What if Christoph Waltz played Francine? What? What if? Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, that's there's a lot to consider there. <laughs> Uh, let's see. It'd be like, uh, Binky, uh, how do you know, uh, wait for the cream, Binky? You must, <laughs> you must wait for the cream. Uh, we built you a new body, and the new body will be, uh, more powerful than the old body that you had. Uh, I'm realizing now that I've never tried to do a Christoph Waltz before. Uh, uh <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a Binky. That's a Binky. Is 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 that is that how you say it? Is that a binky? <laughs> no, we just we just say binky, right? A binky. <laughs> oh, not not bad, Lucas. Uh, I I I appreciate what you did there. Binky, you have to watch out for the hunter killers. They go out at night. Uh, did you see? Did you see Alita? No, no. Oh, 
It's I I thought that movie was sick. I thought that movie. I think we've talked about it on the podcast. We, actually, we did. I, I yeah. might catch. I might catch it on Netflix, but yeah. uh, I'm gonna save my money for right now. I uh, yes, there's probably gonna be a second one because it made like a gajillion dollars in China. So uh, I'm happy. Well, there you go. Uh, so Binky is in this dream where basically it's the Arthur cast, but they're in like. 1800s uh garb it reminds me a little bit of tim burton's sleepy hollow uh everything's yeah, kind of it, it's kind of it's kind of a weird mishmash because it's like not a thing about this is particularly like poetry inspired but i i think it's kind of like a combination of like we he was watching frankenstein so there's kind of those motifs and then yeah. also like there was all the poe stuff at the start but it's kind of it's 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 also a little bit like the Brothers Grimm. It's a strange setting for just like, this is Rhyme World, is this weird, like, 1800s. It's like The Order. What was that video game? That bad video <laughs> the game? The Order 1886. Yeah, it's like The Order 1886. Oh, I wish Binky was shotgunning werewolves. That would be a much better episode. Not to say that it's bad, but like, man, how could you compete with that? Um, Yeah, and we see like, you know... DW like DW's wearing a bonnet. Francine's got like a stovepipe hat and is driving a carriage. It's like that kind of um, aesthetic, a little bit. DW's rhymes are particularly heinous in this episode. So, uh, I feel so like of the, everybody, her rhymes are the most like Eminem slant rhyme y. So the whole gimmick is that all of the characters are speaking in rhyme, and in Versburg, it's apparently a crime to not rhyme. So everybody has has to be like this, and Binky is having trouble adapting to it. Uh, did did you write down any of DW's rhymes? Oh no, I, I don't think I, I. I there's like literally the whole episode is rhymes. Under normal yeah, circumstances, yeah. I would have uh, written them some down, but uh. uh there was just too many to parse through. And they're all kind of... DWs are all kind of bad. Um, we also get yeah. this great... We get this shot from a first-person perspective. DW is leading Binky to this castle. Uh, and then we see these two ominous purple hands. Uh, and we're, we're sort of looking from the monster's perspective. Wondering, oh, what is this What is this creature stalking our hero? There is also... Um, Binky makes a reference to the giant clam. He's just like, I wonder if... Hope this isn't one of those dreams where I get eaten by a giant clam. I think that comes up like a couple of times in this episode. Uh, yeah, so DW takes Binky to her father, who is, like lives in this like Frankenstein-like manner. Uh, the castle, I should say. And it's actually Mr. Ratburn, who's in like a smoking jacket and has like a mustache and all this kind of stuff. It's a pretty good look. And he offers him... He has like uh, a toupee, which is weird. Yeah. It's like, it's, which maybe got me thinking, um, is Mr. Ratburn bald? Because uh, normally Mr. Ratburn doesn't have any hair. Uh, so it's odd to see this like tuft of hair drawn on him. Mm. Uh, offers Binky a goblet of peas and cheese, which is a very strange thing to see. Like, just these two foods being served, A, together, and B, in, like, a chalice. It's, I, that's that's the new wave. Charcuterie boards are so 2018. <laughs> it's all about... It's all about cheese goblets. <laughs> That's what I, I was thinking of a charcuterie board when I was watching this. I just couldn't put the words to it. Eventually, the monster that we got the first person view of that you mentioned uh, bursts into the castle, and it's a giant purple orange. And Ratburn even says, the purple orange, my hideous child, which has no rhyme. <laughs> and this <laughs> this is actually kind of harrowing. Like The purple orange, it, it actually kind of look. it's the same kind of 
uh, shape as like a tomato, except it's like purple. It's got big a big mouth and angry eyes and arms and legs, and it actually eats Mister Ratburn whole. It's a little bit harrowing. Um, it's 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 like an evil. It's like a violet Beauregard let herself go. Yeah, really. And uh, it then it, I believe it also kidnaps DW and Binky tries to get the chief of police who in this in his uh, in his dream is Fern and has two security trust, guards trust, played by the Tibble twins. Trust no cops. Binky goes in to report this crime mm-hmm. and Fern is only mad at him uh, for not rhyming. Uh, and so the two Tibble twins take him away for the crime of, of not rhyming. Uh, and instead of following up on this missing persons report he's trying to file, uh, typical militarized police not uh, coming to the defense of, of their citizens. Um, even to and, add insult to injury, Fern's eating a donut while this is all happening. And he gets blamed for the crime that he was reporting. Like, That's it's, right. it's, it's some BS. Uh, and speaking of poetic references, earlier it was Poe, and in and Binky gets locked away with another poet by the name of William Carlos Williams, which was a very interesting poll to make. So, William I mean, Poe I'll was, be I'll be honest, I um, was not familiar with Mister Carlos Williams prior to watching this episode. No, me neither. So William Carlos Williams it was an experimental modernist poet, and he was also a physician. Uh, by the time this episode came out, he was long dead. So this is not, you know, Mister Mister Williams doing his own voice here. Yeah, it's uh, not. It's it, which which stands to be like, why did they pick him? I wonder. I wonder if they like this was the estate that said like you could have the likeness rights of our 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 person because that's true like usually with something like this like in the past like mr rogers or or that jazz musician who's in the yo-yo ma episode uh they use a real life uh, like there's plenty of real poets that are still alive so it's interesting that they picked this kind of relatively i don't know if he was more well known in the early aughts or what have you even though he died in like 1968 but uh i had never or maybe he's taught more at american schools i'm not sure but i had never heard of mr williams before well, it seems that he like influenced a lot of poets that came after him. I believe he was also a contemporary of T.S. Eliot, uh. so I think there's more famous poets than he was. But he's still like, you know, pretty well known within those types of circles. But uh, he's yeah. the uh, the the Velvet Underground of of poets, in that uh, not a lot of people bought uh, Velvet Underground and Nico, but everybody who bought Velvet Underground and Nico started a band. Right. Um, so he is also not he's also been put away for the crime of not rhyming, but he because he believes in free verse, which I actually thought was funny. Like he grabs the bars and yells free verse. And like, that's that's pretty funny. I, I, I like that. Um, so uh, here's a song. Here's a poem by Williams Carlos Williams. Uh, it's entitled Spring. I thought it would be apt for uh, uh, this episode. Uh, go on. Oh, my gray hairs. You are truly white as plum blossoms. That's it. That's the poem. That's a poem for you. Uh, we we get a couple of references here uh, in in tandem, like different references too. So uh, William Carlos Williams has been digging a tunnel, and it's behind a poster, which is a reference to the oh, Shawshank Redemption. Do we, do we mention that he is he's locked up there by choice? Yes. Okay. 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 
Well, he he's he's locked in there because he chooses not to rhyme. Like yes. he knows how to, he just won't. He describes uh, himself it, as a political prisoner. A political prisoner. Um, yeah, and so he's been digging this tunnel behind a a poster of Rita Hairworth. So Shawshank Redemption there, and then they're and then they kind of think like we're gonna need something to get us out of here. And William Carlos Williams spots a red wheelbarrow, which is the name of one of his more famous poems, The Red Wheelbarrow. So, again, real deep cut. Like, your parents are going to have to be like pretty artsy-fartsy in order to get this one. It took me some 20-odd years for me to even, you know, have the means to look up who William Carlos Williams was. Well, and then, so, uh, it turns out, for some reason, Binky is pushing him in the wheelbarrow. Uh, th- there's no reason why they couldn't just both crawl through, but for some reason, Binky pushes him in the wheelbarrow down the sewage pipe, uh, and, uh, Williams Carlos Williams makes another reference in that, uh, he's like, well, it could have been worse, you could have been pushing C- Cynthia Plath, uh, which is like, again... Oh, I don't get it. <laughs> well, she is, um... S- Sylvia, Sylvia Plath. S- excuse me, Sylvia Plath, yes. Uh, and it's like, oh, she's, um... I guess she's hefty. I don't know. I, I don't know. Sylvia. I, I, I did not bother to look that up. It's just like, okay, I know I have an English degree, but like even I'm, I have I, my limits here. I'm familiar with Sylvia Plath. I just don't think I've seen a lot of pictures of her, but she doesn't look... She looks pretty skinny I, in these old photos. Maybe she, I don't know. It, it might have been like a deep cut reference to one of her poems. It's really hard to say what exactly they were going for. I appreciate it, but it's not. It's not really from that reference. Is definitely not for me. So they managed to escape, and uh, uh, Binky eventually does find D.W. in like this frozen tundra. And like he like he's he goes exploring for a long time and eventually gets the hang of rhyming like he uh, happens upon Buster, who's a farmer and asks him for one of his eggs and uh, is like the thing is, is like he's getting more used to the idea of rhyming uh, does find DW who's having to eat like seal blubber in the Arctic and faces off with the purple orange and manages to uh, cause an avalanche by using a what he calls a barbaric yop, which is a reference to one of the poems of Walt Whitman. He even says, some guy named Walt Whitman taught it to me. Which is weird because we don't actually see that conversation. Like, I thought that joke was that he was mistaking, he forgot William Carlos Williams's name and instead thought of Walt Whitman. Um, so, again, just a... Uh, it's cool that it's in there. Uh, and I had some fun reading the Walt, Wiki- Walt Whitman Wikipedia page. That is a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's this one's really for the adults. In the yeah, r- yeah, for real. Or there, or hopefully there were a couple of writers who were like, like pissing themselves laughing of just, just being able to get all these poem poetry references in there. Um. So yeah, he eventually. So he causes this avalanche. The purple orange is defeated. Now and, wait, I feel like when does he rhyme something with Winnipeg? I have this uh, note when, here when he's when he's getting the eggs from Buster. He's like, Mister, can I have an egg? My name is Meg. I'm from Winnipeg. Don't make me beg. There we go. I I mean, as Canadians, I don't know if the Americans know about Winnipeg, but I, I feel like we had to point that out. Home of we talk. Of- we talked about all Americans have seen Guy Madden films. All, all Americans are big fans of Kitty Omega and Chris Jericho. And well, that actually might be true. They know about that plane. Uh, what? Which plane? The one from Winnipeg, the really fast one. There's a Canadian Heritage. Oh, the about oh the, Avro, the Avro Arrow. They have a they, there's a hockey team named after it. 
Oh, yeah, the Jets. Um, there's that greater thans, the weaker than song about how Winnipeg sucks. Winnipeg's got, to lo- got a lot to offer, man. That might be everything I know about Winnipeg. Have you ever been to Winnipeg, Will? No, certainly not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like Winnipeg is like people. Okay, there's a little thing about, here's a little Canadiana for our listeners. I feel like, sure. like Toronto is definitely the place where when you mention Toronto around here, people are like, ugh, I hate Toronto. But you never ever hear about people being like oh i'm going on a trip to winnipeg Mm. it's not exactly one of the more like i like i was surprised the other day friends of mine are going to saskatchewan i'm like why it's uh it's you know it's usually like ontario and then like somebody will tell you they're going to vancouver and then that's about it and montreal so you'll hear about some places in calgary from time to time Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Winnipeg, like Manitoba, like Regina. Apparently, Regina is like the crime capital of Canada. There's all really? these people, all these people in places in central Canada. I've literally never been, nor could I. Like, I can't even like picture what Winnipeg looks like really in my mind's eye. <laughs> no, it's I don't have a good, good, good like image for it either. It's just kind of a mystery to me. But there's parts of this country that we could really stand to know a lot better, I think. But uh well, you know, pay me more and we'll figure well. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I I'm, I'm I'm not i I'm not talking to our patrons. I'm just I'm talking to well, anybody. Uh <laughs> so Binky uh best the purple orange. They give him an ornamental fish that was given to them by the great Pablo Neruda, who is another poet. So again, so I, poetry, I, I, I do know I'm very happy to announce that I know Pablo Neruda. Okay. Yes. I had heard of him before. I just need oh, I got to set the listeners straight. They got to know that I'm not <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a Philistine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's the end of Binky's dream. He wakes up and he thinks he, that he's like got all these great ideas and he's definitely going to be able to make a great card for his mom now. Uh, but then he for some reason takes the blanket he had in his couch to bed with him. Okay, and then forgets his entire dream, and it seems like it was it all went to waste. So eventually, he does give his mother a card for her birthday, but it's blank because he goes into this kind of explanation of like how he wanted, you know, to create the perfect card for her, but he couldn't get the words right. And then as he's going along, he begins to make uh, an impromptu rhyme, and he begins to rhyme and then his mother's like that's beautiful binky and he's like hey i am rhyming and then like like there there's a hair there's a chair there's a man who has no hair or whatever it is um and they, and they get pretty specific it's just like uh my 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 belt from karate that stain on the carpet where i dropped the manicotti and this What's is a, kind what of is, is it manicotti like a wine I think manicotti might be well. I've I thought maybe you'd be able to tell me. It's it kind of sounds like it might be an Italian dish. I can't say I've ever had manicotti, but I'm looking it up right now. So um, my guess don't. is it's going to be a, like a wine, like a like a uh, you know like a, a merlot or a, oh no, it's a sauce with meat. No, filling. it's it's like a pasta dish. Stuffed it's an Italian American. It's an Italian American kind oh. of pasta. Okay. Very large, very large pasta tubes. So, yeah, I mean, it probably is a sauce stain on the carpet, but that's what uh, that's what manicotti is, kids. And then we go back to the present with Binky in his warlock costume, and this is where he find like he says that he uh, hasn't been able to stop rhyming since he's tried everything, but he just cannot stop rhyming all of his sentences. And then, but in talking to Arthur, he says, I can think of a rhyme for anything. Well, in fact, a rhyme for Arthur would be, and then he gets stuck, 
and that's what he needs to unstick his brain from rhyming. And although I will say you could rhyme the uh, you could rhyme Darfur with Arthur. It's not a good rhyme, but it's you know it's as good as some of the not so good rhymes in this episode. But I guess Binky doesn't know where Darfur is, so he's off the hook. And the episode actually kind of ends here as Arthur does a little bit of late talking to the camera, a little bit of late Ferris Buellering as he's like, you know, you know, good thing Binky's out of that. But then Arthur starts to rhyme and he immediately picks up Binky's staff and robe and assumes a position of uh, wandering tortured soul who can't stop rhyming. I love that. that like once you can't stop rhyming, like that's your cross to bear. Like yeah. you, you, you just have to like... I feel like if you were stuck rhyming, you could still operate and have a normal life. In fact, you'd probably become like a viral sensation. I don't think you would have to become like a recluse man of the woods, like a cloaked uh, 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 hermit. Figure, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the guy who couldn't stop hiccuping or something like that. It's uh, uh, Although much cooler than that, you're right. It would probably lead to them being the next viral sensation if you could just do it without thinking. That would be pretty cool. In fact, could get a record deal out of it for all we've been talking about Eminem here. And that's uh, that's the end of uh, that uh, almost surprise Binky episode. Before we continue on here, here's a word from us kids. Well, us, comma, kids. And now a word from me, Lucas Mancini of Elwood City Limits. Don't forget to chat with your Elwood City Limits pals on social media with facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits or at ECL Podcast on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and an Instagram, at Elwood City Limits. If you want to send us a question, send us an email and get it read on the show at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can find the entire episode archive at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or on your favorite podcast service. If we aren't on your preferred podcast app, let us know, and we'll do our best to get on it. Thanks, as always, for supporting us here at Elwood City Limits. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Well, from all of that talking about poetry and rhymes and poets and all this kind of stuff, we go to an episode... That, uh, well, has a noted lack of talking. That That's right, because is... it's the Metallica-themed episode. For whom the bell tolls. Uh, that's right. Sorry, go on. The Arthur gang are going to have to... They're going to St. Anger Hospital, baby. Uh... Uh, they're, they're, um, St. Anger, he, St. Anger, he never gets respect. No, never. Uh, they're riding <laughs> their lightning, they're riding the lightning all the way to St. Anger hospital. Cause there's no justice for all. Um, and but also, the me- but the memory remains. Um, what was that friggin' movie called? The, th- the 3D through, movie th- through the never. And they're, yeah, they're through the, they're through the never. Um, uh, and, uh, basically DW in this episode, she's the master of puppets because she is, um, you know, pulling everyone's chain. Lucas, all, all these references are giving me whiplash. I think it's time to jump into the fire. Lou, Lou, Lou Reed and Lou, Lou Reed. Uh, <laughs> Just Lou Reed. Yeah. <laughs> I am the table. All right, all right. So it is called "For Whom the Bell Tolls." By the way, if you haven't seen the opening credits for Zombieland, do yourself a favor, check that out. That's one of my favorite parts of that movie. 
Also, uh, check out uh, the video for Saint Anger by Metallica. Um, my friends, uh, every every one of my friends who's ever been a drummer uh, th- finds that song hilarious because the oh, hi hat sounds like he's hitting a the top of a garbage can. Oh, it sounds it sounds <laughs> it, it like one like once somebody tells so, you it's so funny. <laughs> once somebody tells you what's wrong with the drumming in that in that whole album, you can't unhear it. It sounds awful. It's so funny. And I'm a Metallica fan, but like, good God, it's really bad. It's it it is funny bad because they've you know they're so rich and everything, but you know it's like yeah, what a what a choice that was. Anyway, we start off this episode with uh, Arthur celebrating. It's like a banner day. He's literally in like a parade with confetti raining down uh, because at dinner one night dw is in the middle of talking and then suddenly like this is also a little bit concerning like she starts coughing a little bit and then you know her parents are like dw what's wrong and she's like i don't know (laughs) and and she just kind of starts rasping and then we cut to arthur watching dark bunny on tv and uh mom says that dw is gonna be okay but she's definitely lost her voice to which Arthur, not only Arthur celebrates, but Dark Bunny himself celebrates. Yeah, okay, so it was from this point where I was like, this episode is really weird. Yeah. Um, and not and not, not really weird in, like, the fun, like, David Lynch way that, like, the really strange Arthur episodes have been. Weird and just, like, it, it reads like someone's making something up as they go along. Like, it's just odd. Mm. Um... Because Dark Bunny is like inside DW's what is it called a, a the little hangy thing? Um, uh, is it a uvula? Is that it? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like hanging onto the uvula, and then he's like in Arthur's TV, and then he like pulls Arthur into his TV for the dream sequence. And it's like you talked about Whiplash earlier. It's 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 not so much like like because obviously the show d- deals in dream sequences all the time. Um, but for some reason, just the way it's edited and the way it's put together, it's just kind of hard to follow. And you're just like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, and, and in that dark bunny sequence, when he hears that DW lost her voice, he like cheers. And then the sun rises in dark bunny's world, which is weird to see in like a Batman, the animated series knockoff. And like his, his suit is an entirely different color under the light of day. We do get a, we do get a great like we do get a couple great pieces of dialogue here from Dark Bunny himself, who's just like, finally, no more. Oh, that show's scary. I want to watch Mary Moo Cow. It's kids like that who spoil the ratings. Just like this, really, like more of the actor behind Dark Bunny than anything else. But yeah, that's where Arthur is celebrating in the cold open with this per- this ticker tape parade with Dark Bunny. But then Francine comes out of the crowd and says, you're being mean, Arthur Reed. M-E-A-N. And that's kind of, we will hear that a lot more. I did have a, a, a chuckle that, like, Arthur just, like, encourages Dark Bunny to, like, speed up. And he's like, yeah. you do some tricks with the car. Like, he, like, does not care about uh, uh, Francine's criticism whatsoever. Hey, you want to you want to you want to get the hell out of here? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, um Arthur uh happens upon DW as she's brushing her teeth and literally it is kind of one of those cartoonish laryngitis things. Like I I remember when I was a kid, you know, there were so many episodes of cartoon shows where it's like characters lose their voice and they don't have any other symptoms. 
And it's like one of those cartoon problems of like, you literally lose your entire voice. You can't talk at all, but you don't have any other symptoms. Like usually when you do that, yeah, it's like, they, cause they, you, it's cause you have into, a cold. They turn into Gordon Freeman and it's like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, not, you're not talkative. eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Arthur is overjoyed that DW can't talk, but, uh, you know, mom mom tells him to be nice about it. So we do get this first half of the episode where Arthur is r- reveling in this because he sees the power in DW not being able to speak. There's this uh, fantasy he has where DW is watching Mary Moo Cow, but then because she can't object verbally, he turns it to a show called Gladiator Smackdown. They 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 ruled the the Roman Empire with like rippling pecs and righteous abs. It's like, uh. It's it's like it's like a new independent wrestling uh, promotion where it's like all centurion based. It's very cool. It's yeah. It's like if, if it, instead of Aztec stuff, Lucha Underground was about um, you know three hundred. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, a bit where Arthur's sort of explaining the situation to his peers, like D.W. Brain and Buster, mm-hmm. and um, they sort of don't understand why Arthur's so excited and kind of think he's being kind of a poor sport about the whole situation. Um, and Arthur's explaining that, like, I just want some peace and quiet. Like, I I, I was able to hear my cereal for the first time this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, Buster says, why would you want to listen to cereal? Buster, not an NPR fan. Um, <laughs> you know, he he's not tuned in to... He doesn't care about uh, that guy who went missing in Afghanistan or whatever. Uh, not, not a fan. He's more of a... Uh, He's more of a This American Life guy or, or more of an S-Town guy. He's not a fan of cereal. Yeah. Uh, but but, but uh, this is, again, uh, Francine echoes her comments from the dream sequence. She kind of thinks Arthur's being kind of mean about the whole thing. Um, and, and, our, and, and when Brain informs Arthur that this could last for weeks, maybe even months, Arthur can hardly contain his excitement. Hmm. Um, uh, by by the way, it literally took me like two full minutes to get your cereal joke. And I'm sorry I didn't laugh at it to begin with. That is very funny. Okay, like, I, 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 was like, I appreciate talking, like, you I, saying this now, Will, because literally, I've been waiting. This is like the number one underlined, <laughs> most important note for me to get out. This whole episode was my very, very funny serial joke. I, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, I didn't react to it, but I was literally like, why? It's like, it's like Buster's talking about cereal. Why are you talking about NPR? I don't get it. Like, but I forgot about about the S. I should have been like, I cereal been like, with an S. <laughs> Sort of been like Buster doesn't like to use Mailchimp, Mail Mail Crimp, Ma- Mail Kimp, Mail Quip. Please <laughs> teach Thank that lady how to say Mailchimp, please. <laughs> Thank you. It's like that's whenever I think of cereal or whenever I think of an NPR <laughs> podcast, that's the first thing I think of is Mail Kimp. Well, like Chimp? in my current in my current while we're studying in school now, like a thing that we might actually have to use is Mailchimp. Yeah. Um, and those like anytime it's like Pavlovian. Like, similar to how TikTok has ruined the, the phrase hit or miss for me, where I can't hear the phrase hit or miss without being like, I guess I never, never miss, miss, huh? huh? Um, I can't hear the term mail chip without being like, mail crepe? Crepe? Yeah, I know. Me neither. I'm right there with you, and I'm glad somebody else is the same way. Uh, also, the also the best hit or miss TikTok meme I've seen is somebody doing it with a Donald Duck puppet and doing the Donald Duck voice. Ooh. Wow. Per- perfect. That it's great. very good. I'll try and say that your way because I know that you love Donald Duck too. I love, I love, I love the Duck Man. Uh, I had a note here that Arthur's not really being mean at this point. Like when he's talking to his friends, like he literally is just like, I can't wait for it to be quiet. It's there are moments when he starts rubbing it in that DW can't talk. That that's when he starts being mean. But like I feel like his friends judged him a little quickly. 
not that they were wrong in the end, but he wasn't being mean at that point. Uh, so Arthur, we get we get him starting to wait on DW a little bit, not you know super like not not a whole lot or anything but you know just bringing her up dinner and stuff like that arthur is at this point just playing dumb with dw trying to rasp out the orders to him she's a dw kind of like making noises like voldo from soul caliber like she's like pushing a (laughs) she's pushing a book at him and she's like (gasps) you know it's like when you hit voldo and you're like i don't want to hit you anymore you just that that's makes me uncomfortable i know i just don't like looking at voldo in all honesty like it's just the whole uh, voldo is discomfort come incarnate don't don't kink shame, dude. I apologize. Listen, my kink, my kink's, my, if anything, my kink is lizard man. So, uh, who who am I to who am I to talk? Oh boy, you know, oh. my my kink my kink is picking Maxi and mashing on the X button. Yeah, circle button Maxi. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's what gets that, me that really gets my motor running. <laughs> I, I my 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 kink is doing the move with Taki where she jumps in the air and then goes diagonal over and over and over again. No, yeah. Okay. I found my Soul Calibur kink, and it's doing the move with God. Yoshimitsu, where he gets on the ground, and he goes, kink, Yeah, the teleport move, the heel and teleport move. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that really, whoo, I'm getting sweaty just thinking about it. Yeah, all I need is a good exterminate from Astaroth, and, oh, all right, let's let's finish this quick, because... I'm I'm really sorry for that. I'm re <laughs> I'm really sorry for what just happened. Um, okay, so DW making the Voldo noises, and Arthur is you know playing ignorant. He's just like I can't understand you, DW. I can't possibly know what you want. Uh, at this point, Mom gives DW a bell, like almost like a dinner bell for her to ring, and um, you know when she wants something. And Mom is kind of a bit of the go between here, like. She, you know, she knows what DW is trying to say, and even though Arthur's playing dumb, and so eventually Arthur has to read her a book, and uh, DW tries to write him instructions that Arthur can't read. Uh, it's just like a diagram almost, but mom can. It's like, uh, oh, she wants some ice cream, and then she wants to play crazy eights with you, and then we get to, we start to get the power shift here of like DW's still sick as far as we know, but it's because. Arthur is waiting on her hand and foot that suddenly Arthur realizes her not having her voice is not all it's cracked up to be. Um, so at this point, like, so the characterization of Arthur in this episode, he's like supposed to be kind of mean at first. You're supposed to be like, oh, Arthur's kind of being a jerk. And like, you can sympathize with him because DW is annoying, but like, he's also like, uh, uh, kind of enjoying the situation a little too much, a little more than is appropriate. Mm-hmm. But then at this part, like, I, there's something about the performance, the vocal performance of Arthur. Usually, I have nothing negative to say about uh the vocal performances in this show, and I, and I, and I think the new voice has been fine up to this point. But there's something like disingenuous about uh the the vocal performance from Arthur where it kind of just sounds stilted and like he's not in the, like obviously he's not in the same room but i there's something that just didn't connect with the Arthur performance in this episode for me and i'm not entirely certain why i just think it kind of sounds stilted and awkward and like his acting just doesn't really hit like he's like oh but dw's lying and it just for some reason i i i noticed it as more in this episode than i have prior but i just thought i should say that 
That's interesting. I don't think I really caught on to that, but um, I think I think I know, I think I know what you mean. But it didn't really take me out of the episode. But in, an interesting observation. At this point, Arthur has been DW's basically servant for a couple of days. Francine thinks it's you know it's just desserts. Um, Arthur has a line here where he says, it, "Arthur's like it's like I'm a prisoner." Even worse, I'm the prisoner of a really bad mime. Well, okay, so first he says, I'm a prisoner in my own home. Yeah. And then he says he's a prisoner of a really bad mime. Uh, and then we get this incredible dream sequence where um, Arthur sort of becomes like DW's like, so he's handcuffed to her. And he's also in like classic black and white, like jailhouse rock prison garb. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of just looks like he's wearing like Virgil Abloh, like off white. Like he's just got like a really sick fit. Um, but um, <laughs> eventually like he's like talking to uh, um, uh, DW's friend, Emily. And this, this really funny joke. This is probably my favorite segment of the entire episode is like, Arthur having to speak for DW and sort of like, I take back what I said about Arthur earlier, because I think this performance is really special of like, just like his disinterested, like he barely wants to say the things he's saying, but he has to, to translate for DW. And I think this joke goes a long way. And it reminded me weirdly enough. I recently rewatched there will be blood, uh, spoilers for the next 30 seconds for the end of there will be blood. Oh Um, yeah. But there's the part at the end where he's like saying he doesn't want to work for a Daniel Plainview anymore, but he's, he's deaf obviously. So he's speaking through, uh, a person who knows how to read hand signs. Uh, and like, they're having this really serious conversation and like Daniel Plainview is like refusing to acknowledge the, like the translator. And he's like, can you speak without your puppet? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Um, and so this dinner table scene where, where Arthur sort of delivering the bad news that like, who is the holdout? You must yeah. give DW the present or else we will not have cake. And then, like, the, the other girls start, like, uh, uh, throwing things at Arthur uh, because it's they like, don't like not, hearing this It's like, news. it's not me, it's her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, this is for sure my favorite part of the whole episode. I again talented video editor I would I would like to commission anybody out there if you can take the scene where Arthur and DW are uh, around the ta- around the dinner table and uh, splice in Daniel Plainview like again like that speech I'm just thinking of Arthur translating for DW and it's just like one night I will come to you and I will come to you in the middle of the night and I will cut your throat. So what is that? Like <laughs> just guys, sing, yeah, sing yeah. Arthur's like, yeah, he's like, you're a bastard from a basket. Yeah. A bastard from a basket. <laughs> and then they just start throwing stuff at him. It's like, it's not me, it's her. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Arthur feels like a prisoner. Francine believes it's just desserts. Um, it's getting to be, it's getting to be quite, like we see how the balance of power is shifting. We see the return of the crazy straw as Arthur is bringing a drink up to DW. But as he's outside her room, uh, he hears her talking and uh, he bursts in, catches her in the act. DW tries to play it off. Like she still can't talk, but Arthur is very much like, I caught you. I heard you. You're faking. He goes to tell mom. And I gotta say, like we've talked, uh, we've talked before about how, um, you know, mom and dad can be pretty lenient sometimes with when the kids are are wiling out. Um, and you know, Arthur's just like, I heard DW talking. She's faking. And mom immediately goes, Why would she be faking? And Arthur's just like, Because she likes being sick. She likes the attention, which is, you know, it's true. DW does like getting attention. And then mom is just like, That's impossible. Like she's basically like, No, that's not happening. That's impossible. And it's like, it 
like it could be. I know that like I and I know the reason she doesn't believe him is that like Arthur doesn't want to wait on her anymore. But I feel like it wouldn't be within Arthur's character to just like completely make up that she's faking. You know, I I I, I mean, this conversation has to happen for the episode to keep going on a little bit longer. But you're right. Like I was like, OK, come on, like. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 and this is pretty easy to test. Like if if I'm sure if the mom like cornered DW and was like, "Are you faking?" DW would give up the goods for sure. And I think that's all you would really need to do is like just get her to like, "Hey, like check for me" or do something like that. Um, Arthur does have a plan to try to catch her in the act. He tries with a tape recorder, but instead, uh, I believe DW puts Crazy Bus in there instead. Something like that. <laughs> and then he tries with a video camera. We get a little bit of first person action here. I know. This is like this is like am- amnesia dark descent or something. <laughs> this or like the Blair Witch Project. Or Outlast. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Outlast is what I was thinking of, the one where you get the camera. Yeah. And then do we even get a bit of a jump scare here from DW who attacks him with the again with the raspy Voldo voice? Um, and Arthur is kind of talking about this to Francine. At this point, we know that DW is taking advantage of him, and Francine's still like, "That's what you get for being mean." And it's like Francine's more sanctimonious side coming out, which you know, not again, not a terrific look for Francine. But well, it's interesting. It's almost kind of self-aware though, because Francine's like uh, Arthur kind of corners Francine and, and is like, "Hey, glass houses!" Like season one, Francine, you were yeah, straight up bully. Yeah. Uh, which was also like, it's a weird interaction because they're kind of acknowledging it, but they're also like kind of not. Like, there's not really a resolution to that conversation. They just kind of move on. Yeah, and, Fra- um, and Francine's just like the dream has no memory of that, and just kind of moves on. Uh, they get a call at Francine's house, but and Francine's like, I don't get this. This is so weird. All it all it is is just some ringing. And then Arthur's like, he knows that that's DW, picks up the phone. She's like rasping into it. And at this point, he's been around her for so long that he understands what she means. And this is when Francine's like, okay, now now I believe you. This is too far. We got to do something. So the plan they come up with to catch DW in the act is actually pretty good. Like, I, I think this is my favorite part of the episode where um, they decide that what they're going to do is, you know, when DW starts ringing the bell, they're just going to... It's Arthur, Francine, Brain, and Buster at Arthur's house. And they're just going to stay downstairs and wait for DW to come get them. They mute the TV, they unplug the phone, and they all talk to DW, but without using their voices. So it's like everybody has lost their voice. So this is a technique uh, incorporate. This is a very mean thing to do if you are in junior high um, and you're in a very immature middle schooler and you want to mess with somebody who is smoking weed for the first time. Oh. Um, this is called being put in the bubble. Oh my uh, gosh. And, I've, and never, this is, I've never heard of this. Yeah. So this is a thing I have never done this cause I think this is really lame and stupid. I'm too mature for something like this, but the, I'm, the, the, I'm the too people, mature to care. Anymore. It's, it's true. And, and, yeah, and yeah. The, <laughs> the, the people who, you know, were a little bit more, uh, uh, Hmm. Just uh, people who would find this funny. I'm not one of them, but the people who would find this funny uh, would do this all the time where they'd be like, oh, I'm going to put you in the bubble. Uh, And then like uh, uh, someone would be sitting there and then they'd be like they'd moving their mouth as if they were talking, but nothing would be coming out and and kind of freak out the person for like a split second. Uh, um, But yeah, that's essentially that's 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 the extent of being put in the bubble. I see. So, yeah, and they, they're talking to her. Francine offers her the phone, but nobody's there. And then that freaks T.W. out to the point where she's just like, Mom, I've lost my hearing, too. And then Mom catches her in the act, and uh, 
all said and done, that's pretty much the end of the episode. We just kind of get like a bit of a laugh line here when Arthur's like, never thought I'd be happy to hear DW's voice again. And then DW's like, I'm glad I have my voice back. Hi, stairs. Hi, door. And Arthur's like, oh, no. And that's where we kind of end off there. Okay, let's uh, let's roll her back to Rhyme for Your Life, one that uh, people were anticipating us talking about. Lucas, how did you feel about uh, Rhyme for Your Life? Rhyme for Your Life is fun. I mean, it's it's a little disappointing in terms of when you think of it as a Binky episode, because I feel like every Binky episode is pretty seminal, uh, and I definitely wouldn't call this one seminal, but um, it's definitely a really cool... The real the star of this episode is uh, Verse, Verseville or Verseburg, um, this like cool like 1800s aesthetic uh, that is not something we see in a lot of Arthur episodes, and it's a unique setting. And there's all kinds of weird stuff, like the the purple orange, uh, which is like a strange creature that we don't normally see. And I like the setup too of of, of Binky sort of being this this person who can't stop rhyming, and he's telling this story to Arthur. So I like all those aspects of it, and I think that adds makes it creative and kind of stand out from a lot of other Arthur episodes. But it's not like, it's not super funny, which you would expect from an episode where there's rhyming all the time. Like, I, I, I was kind of disappointed how it didn't make me laugh as much uh, mm. as I would want it to, besides the lines about Winnipeg. And maybe it's my own fault, because I don't, I'm not familiar enough with all these poets. I'm sure if I was a little bit more, um well-versed with all, all all the poetry references that maybe uh, this would have been a little bit, it would have hit a little bit better with me, but I still mm-hmm. think it's like a, a perfectly entertaining episode. And I, I, I think that, um, yeah, it's just a middle of the road, nothing really bad to say about it. Uh, just not super standout. Okay. Um, I kind of agree with you. I, I think it's important that like, I think it's it's actually kind of funny now that you mentioned we're getting into the era of Binky episodes where there's been so many, we can start to see that like, ah, this one's, you know, on the lower end or this one's on the higher end and stuff like that. So, and but I think it's like a Binky episode we feel like is a cut above. And I feel like this one is what this one has going for it most is imagination and those are yeah. some that's that's a really great quality to have in an Arthur episode there's a lot of cre- it's a very creative scenario i i like that it's not necessarily something that is you know relatable to everybody but it's like it makes sense for binky's character is that he's got a he's got a soft side and he wants to express himself he's just not really sure how and then we get this extended dream sequence with all these you know, wild references and stuff like this. It's not for me, all of it, but it's cool that it's there. And I'm sure that it is for somebody. And yeah, in the end, it's not, I I think I agree with you. It's not as funny as I would have liked it to be. Um, You know, not as engaging as some of the other Binky episodes are, but it's like, it's fun. And yeah, um, and, and you know what? Now that you say that, now that we're talking about it, like I, I think it really does have merit for being. It was probably pretty hard to write, given all the yeah. rhyming and stuff like that. But also, like all the stuff with like, um, you know, the Shawshank reference with the poster and the fact that mm-hmm. like William William Carlos Williams shows up and and it, it, I think, you know, it may be even a little bit above average just by the fact that it is so different and so unique. It really did try, and and like it it went it went for it, and that's. What what I like about kind of Arthur as we go along is they go for it in these really in these ways you wouldn't expect, and uh, I think that's really cool. So it's something to be said. It's you know not one of the greatest episodes ever, but it's uh, it's plenty fun. Um. Okay. So for whom the bell tolls? Um. I'm not a huge fan of this one. As we were talking about it, I I it I think you were able to kind of 
um, to put it in a way that kind of mirrored how I felt was like, I'm not really sure what we were trying to say with this. It's like, it, it felt like there was a lot going on. It's like, you know, DW gets sick and Arthur's, you know, holding that over her, but then DW is holding power over him and it turns out she's not sick. And then they have to, you know, prove that she's lying. It's like, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on here. And like you said, there are a couple of like unusual ways to take things like in the cold open with dark bunny and everything. Not that that's bad. I actually appreciate it again, that it's kind of creative in that way. And it's definitely not like it's in a, I wouldn't call this a bad episode by any means, but it just kind of left me feeling a little confused, I guess. Like, I'm not really sure how to feel. And the ending I felt was really kind of flat. It's just like, okay, everything's back to normal. And like, all right, it felt like a real, you know, Simpsons style ending of like, you know, none of this will really, carry over in any meaningful way and it's like okay so you know we got yet another episode of Arthur and DW at odds and it's just like this is I guess it, it also made me realize that like what I hope happens is that we start you know relying on more of the secondary characters so we can get different types of stories because we've seen Arthur and DW at odds in like every in like almost every combination so we're making up all these new combinations and some of them are just kind of really out there and in a way that's like not kind of almost doesn't make is a little confusing at times. So yeah, it did, it, this one didn't really do much for me personally. Uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of hated this episode. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I really didn't like for whom the bell tolls. I think because format wise, it's like such a mess. I think he hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I guess the way this episode, if I, if I was tasked with fixing this episode, I would sort more so make it about, how Arthur, because this is where I thought was it was going, was that Arthur was going to be really mean about DW not being able to speak, um, and then eventually he would sort of feel bad for her, and he'd mm-hmm. he'd, he'd kind of um, try to make her feel better, and then DW would be able to speak again, and she'd be, like, a little bit annoying, but we'd be like, oh, you know, everything's happy again, like, it's all back to normal, but, like, that's not where this episode went at all. It, 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 I think, like you said, it tries to introduce too many things, too many cooks, um, spins too many plates at once, and it doesn't mm-hmm. really uh, let any of the ideas uh, marinate enough for you to like really sink your teeth into any of them. So it, just when you're starting to kind of grasp what they're going for, they move on to something different. Um, and then again, like like I said before, I don't really like the Arthur performance in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought he came off as not only unlikable, but just like... I just didn't really b- believe the performance. Like, when he was supposed to be annoyed, I just didn't think... Uh, it wasn't doing anything for me and like you said that the ending is fairly unsatisfying and then when you take a look at this episode as a whole it's like what was there's not really a moral and i'm not saying every arthur episode has to have a more moral but it just kind of seems pointless yeah Um, there's just kind of there's just kind of like nothing yeah so i i really didn't enjoy uh for whom the bell tolls uh i would rather uh watch the video for saint anger uh, for 11 minutes so that's about like three good solid watches of uh, metallica playing in that their prison in saint quentin yeah yeah um yeah and i oh there was a there was a point that you there's a point that you made oh yeah it was it was like yeah you're right that arthur doesn't really come across looking great in this episode like again i thought people were really the characters were really quick to be like you're being mean and i was like well he is annoyed by DW a lot, but then of course he is. But then, it, but then it kind of switches and like, well, now DW's t- DW's kind of acting bad. So it's like nobody comes out of this episode 
really looking that good. And like you have that moment where Francine's like being really sanctimonious and Arthur calls her out on it. She doesn't really acknowledge it and just like no but and and mom is also like not believing Arthur. It's kind of just almost frustrating in that way and nobody comes out of this looking good so i guess we'll yeah. see this. it doesn't really have any of the things i like besides with the exception of the translator sequence mm-hmm. um it doesn't really have any of the things i like about arthur uh and that's probably why i dislike it so much is it's like it's like an arthur episode with all all the arthur stuff that i like well there you go it's uh even even if we're not a huge fan of an arthur episode there's another one right around the corner very soon hey thanks a lot for joining us for this episode of elwood city limits as Ooh, the as as we're a week away from WrestleMania, two weeks away from my wedding, we will do our best to get the rest of season six to you in a timely fashion, and of course with uh, Lucas and his schoolwork uh, taking priority as well. Thank you very much for sticking with us, and hopefully we will hear from we will get to hear from you soon uh, through contacting us through all of the ways that you can, and uh, for hearing from us soon because in the next episode of Elwood City Limits. Um, we've got these two I recognize by title, and I'm very interested to talk about them. It's The Good Sport and Crushed. One of those episodes also features a very timely, at the time, guest star. Ooh, is it uh, the lead singer of R.E.M.? I got my spine, I got my orange crushed. I, w- I would love if Michael Stipe showed up in an, Ari- in a- in an Arthur episode. <laughs> that would be so great. All right, so until that time that we get back to you with another Elwood City Limits episode, or until you hear us on the Patreon-exclusive feed, uh, my name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... I'll throw in the pickle! (laughs) We'll see you next time. Good one. I know, it's been a while since I've had one ready to go. (laughs) 